0: As we gather together, um, one of the, the best ways that I can describe it is that we want to welcome God in and we want to stay out of God's way. And both of those things are just a little bit difficult for us as human beings because we really honestly don't know how to do it. We don't. But we know how to worship. We know how to say thank you to God. We know how to, to stop and say, I will surrender my life to you. What do you want me to do, Lord? Lord. And then, with all the courage that there is inside of us, get up and give it a shot, and give it our best shot. We know how to do that. There's a story in the book of Luke in chapter five. It's not going to show up there. Just, just wait on me. Um, sorry to go off kilter. Um, I was thinking about it while I was over there, <coughs> just being with God. And it's the story in my own heart, my, my goal, my desire this year is to live in the favor of God. I want to live in the favor of God. I don't just want to live in the presence of God. I just don't want to live in my salvation. I want to live in the favor of God where I get up and I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to? Where can I go? What can I pay? What can I do? What can I give? I want to live there. And as I was talking to the Lord, the Lord, the Lord just reminded me of a scripture in the book of Luke in chapter 5. And, and maybe if you were raised in church or you've been in church long enough, you're familiar with the story. Jesus is walking along the shore and there's some fishermen that have been out all night catching fish or trying to catch fish. They're not very good at it. They must not be good fishermen. I'm not sure. But they, they were struggling that night. They struggled. They fished all night. They caught no fishes. I know the song. Um, and so their boats were drug up on the beach, and Jesus came out, and he said, hey, I want to borrow your boats, and they pushed out from shore. They let Jesus do some preaching, and in the course of events, Jesus tells them, okay, now put your nets down on the right side of the boat. And I think when Jesus says, put your nets down on the right side of the boat, I'm not always sure that he meant on the right-hand side, but maybe on the correct side, but it really doesn't matter. He just simply said, now do it my way. And these guys weren't expecting it, It was Peter and Andrew and James and John, probably some of their family members, their fathers, grandfathers, I don't know, maybe some of their kids if they had kids. But they caught so many fish that the boats began to sink. And Peter hollered over at his partners that were with him and said, come help us. And they pulled the boats up on on the shore with all of the fish and then Jesus said, come and follow me. And then they left the fish. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly praying in my life again for the favor of God. Not in a health, wealth, and prosperity sort of a way, but more in a way where I hear the voice of God or God sits down in the chair next to me. If, if, if he would do it for Moses, who was a stinking murderer for crying out loud, then how about if he just does it for me? If he'll do it for Abraham, who was a pagan, how about for me, who's trying to live surrendered to him? And it's just the desire of my heart. And I'm thinking about these guys that weren't even looking for God. And he walked into their lives, gave them the greatest in their estimation, thing the material possession he could give them. He made them basically filthy rich in that moment. He almost sank their boats with so much fish, with so much wealth, their boats were going down and they called their friends to come over and help us, get everything that God just gave us into a different boat so that we can get it up on shore. And then when they pulled the greatest catch that they'd have ever had up on the shore... The person that gave it to them walked up and said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the scripture will say, immediately they left and followed him. What does that say to you and I tonight? When we stop and we think about the things that we would say as blind beggars, if Jesus was walking past and he said to us, What do you want? And what if he in that moment gave it to us, all of it? As Billy Graham once said, what if he gave you all of the money, all of the power, and excuse me, all of the sex that you could ever want? Then what would your life consist of? Then what would you want? Then where would you find meaning and purpose for being on this earth if we didn't find it in God? There has to be some place to find it in God. And I think the disciples knew that. They were willing, and I'm pounding this word to death in the first month and a half, they were willing to be available to God, even when they weren't looking for God. They realized something had happened in their lives that was worth surrendering to. And with that in mind, I want to I take you into the book of Exodus And there's just this little tiny story in Exodus chapter 4, because I didn't see any of the disciples, the men that became disciples, say, ah, we got to clean these fish first. You don't understand, Lord, we got to wash the nets again because you made us use them again. No, 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 you don't understand. We have got to get some people to cart this off, to sell the fish, to put the money in the bank so that if we come and follow you, we've got cash. We need a safety net before we'll come follow you or go and do what you said. They simply left the biggest catch that they had ever had on the shore and walked away from it. Left it in the hands of whoever was going to do whatever with it. And there's a story in the book of Exodus in chapter 4 that is very much like this sooner or later. Let me just begin by saying this. There's no, as a humanity, there's nobody harder on you and I as individuals as we are on ourselves in all reality. We might put on a big front, puff up our chest, wear our fanciest clothes, but behind closed doors, we're pretty hard on ourselves as human beings, as individuals. And we have a million excuses not to take a shot at our dreams. We've got a million excuses not to do the thing that God is calling us to do. It's the story of Moses. The Moses that led the Israelites into the wilderness. Moses was raised in the palace even though he was a child of slaves. Raised in a palace. Even though he was a child of slaves. Moses clearly knew all of his life that he was a Hebrew. He knew it. Moses defended a Hebrew slave by killing an Egyptian taskmaster. Became a murderer. As a result, he fled everything and everyone that he knew. One day, he found himself in the desert, the desert with sheep and goats. He was the husband of, a da- of the and a, a, of the daughter that was, excuse me, a husband of a woman was the daughter of a pagan priest. Life had gotten so ugly for him. He saw a burning bush, and the Lord called him up, and called him out, and in my words today he said. Moses, are you available to God? Are you available to do the thing that I'm going to ask you to do? Are you available? Moses didn't expect to see what Moses saw. And so let me just read for you as God interacted with Moses and called him and told him what he was going to do and what he was asking him to do. Let me just share with you this this thing that God was asking of Moses. Moses. He wanted him to give up his life as a shepherd, not walk away from his wife and his kids, bring them with him, but at the same time, we're not going to live that pagan life, that, that, that life that he had lived for 40 years in the desert. I want you to do something entirely different, more in line with what I called you to do. And God says, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he said, I want you to go talk to the children of Israel the Hebrews. They weren't the children of Israel yet, but the Hebrews. I want you to go talk to the Hebrews and tell them this is what's going on and to follow you. And Moses starts this way. He says, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord didn't appear to you, Moses. Knock it off. You're not more spiritual than the rest of us. There's nothing holy about you. You're a murderer, Moses. Why would God talk to a murderer? We have a lot of excuses to cast people to the side. We have a lot of excuses to say, God won't talk through you, you're a woman. God won't talk through you, you're a a drug addict. God won't talk through you, you're an alcoholic. God won't talk through you, you're a murderer. And yet the scripture will record that God will talk through prostitutes and murderers. And yet as Christian people, we will say, God won't speak through you, you're not holy enough. But that's not in line with what the scripture says. But when God called Moses up, he began with the, what if they don't do, uh, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, Lord, the Lord didn't appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that you have in your hand? And at that point, he had a staff in his hand. And the Lord said, throw it down on the ground. And Moses threw it down on the ground and it became a snake. And then he ran from it. He ran away from it. The way things are supposed to be, except for me as a child that was collecting them and bringing them home to my mother. It was not the best time of her life when I was in elementary school. Moses, the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took, it by the, took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff. And he said, this, the Lord said, this is so they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses did that, put his hand inside his cloak. And when he pulled it out, it was leprous and white as snow, diseased and awful and nasty. Now put it back into your cloak, and he said, so Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and when he took it back out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they don't believe you or pay attention to you to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or no one listens to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the ground, And, and the story goes on. And as we look at this and we look at what Moses did, and as he goes on and on and on and he interacts with God, The question that God is asking Moses is, are you available? And we all have a million excuses to not do what God asks us to do, and most of them have to do with the fact that it doesn't make good, rational sense. But the Lord said, my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Moses had five excuses why he could not do the thing. First, he said, who am I? I'm not good enough to be chosen. Who am I, Lord? They, they won't listen to me. No, 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 I'm not good enough. Excuse me, he said, I'm not good enough in Exodus 3. And then in Exodus 3:13, he says, and what authority shall I say to them is the reason that I am here. And then the scripture that I just read you, is. he says, and what if they won't believe me because of who I am? What what then? Who do I get to say sent me? And then he says, "And I'm not qualified to do this thing. I'm not a good speaker. And then finally in Exodus 4.13, he says, I don't see how this can work out. These are my paraphrases of his excuses. But he finally says, I, I, Lord, I just don't see how this thing can work out. Send someone else. You don't get to live in the favor of God if we're always saying, send somebody else. We don't get to live in the favor of God if we're always expecting God to change his mind and only do what we want. We get to live in the favor of God as we walk in his presence, and as Jesus said, We do what we see our Father in heaven doing upon this earth. When we live a life that says, is God speaking to that person over there and I need to go pray for them? And we act on it. We get outside of our comfort zone and we realize that our salvation is not about us and God. And it's not. Your sin is not about you and God. We are a community of believers. There's no denominations in heaven The Scripture tells us to challenge one another when we see each other sin and encourage each other to come away from it, inspire one another to come away from it. That does not sound like our relationship to God is just between me and God. But when God calls us out, like Moses, we've got five good reasons why it can't be us. And yet, we're crying out and we want God to come by And when we're so busy with our work that he does come by, do we recognize that it's him? And by shifting, if I can shift stories back again, and when he fills our boat so full of goodness, not in a health, wealth, and prosperity sort of a way, but goodness sakes, we serve a God who says live a paresos life. And that's exceedingly, vehemently above and beyond what is around us. I can't get away from that. I'm sorry. It, it's exceedingly, vehemently more is what that word parisos in John 10.10 10 means. I have come that you might have life and have it to its fullest. Have it abundantly. Have it perisos, So that you can make a difference in other people's lives. And that's what the disciples chose to do when they left the boat. That's what they chose to do when they left the fish. That's what they chose to do When they started a new career following a guy that they just met on the beach. And I wonder, as we look at this, do we recognize that God is speaking to each one of us? Because I do believe in a God that still speaks to us. I believe that He loves us so much that He sent His Son. Then why would I think that He doesn't still speak to us? Why do you think God doesn't speak to you? He only says what I see written in Exodus or Genesis. No. I believe a God that is living, the God who is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that is still speaking into our lives through the scripture for sure. But there are things he wants from us. When God showed Moses that he was done making excuses and God said, you already have everything you need. And if you trace back the arguments that Moses had, the interaction that Moses had with God, every single one of them, God said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, I've already given you what you need. I've already given you what you need. I will alway, already be what you need. We're not waiting for a greater education. We're not ra- waiting for more money. We're not waiting for a better job. We're not waiting for an opportunity to go into missions. We're not, wa- we're, not, we're not supposed to be waiting. The Lord is here. The Lord is waiting on us to do something about it. And it's time for us to do that. Noah Never built a boat before God called him. Never. You think you're unqualified? Noah never built a boat. There was no need for a boat. Noah didn't even know what rain was. Scripture said it had never rained upon the earth. He didn't have a clue. He just knew water was going to come down from the sky. That's what he knew. Abram was called to go to a place he had never been before. Didn't know the way. God simply said, follow me. Wow. David the shepherd had never fought a trained military man in his life. And certainly not with a rock and a sling. He had fought a bear. Barehanded. Sorry about that pun. Some of you just got it. The rest of you just got it. It's like a wildfire now, you're getting it. David killed a lion with his bare hands, but he'd never killed a soldier. He didn't know what to do, he just did it because he believed the Lord was asking him. From this morning, Gideon only had 300 people. He was outnumbered 450 to one. And the Lord said, you're not even gonna have to swing that sword, I just need you to watch so that you will know that it is God in heaven that does incredible things in your life. Daniel had never killed a lion, let alone spent the night with one, cuddled up next to it. It was supposed to eat him. That's what the satraps wanted to happen. Throw him in the pit and let the lions eat him. And Peter had never walked on water. Never. But he did it. They all knew and trusted God in faith, which is an action, not a belief or an understanding. Faith means you did something, not that you knew something. They were available. As we gather tonight and we want to ask God to touch our lives, I want you to know that God's not waiting for you to get good enough. You know, so many people think that if they could just go to Bible college or if they could just get rid of this besetting sin or if they could just get clean from alcohol or if they just could get clean from drugs or if they could just, you know, not have to deal with porn, if they could just somehow rid their lives of all the sin, then maybe God's favor would rest upon them. And here's the crazy part. I just read to you the scripture over and over and over again of liars and murderers and thieves that God called up and said I need to use you and all he was looking for was people that would listen to him and make themselves available when he said come follow me I know that God still asks things of us I know that God still speaks into our hearts I know that God still moves inside of us. And I believe with all of my heart that God is speaking to some of you and I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But I believe that you're carrying something that you think separates you from the ability to do the thing that God asked you to do. And that's not true. That's not true at all. Some of you are in here. I just, I'm a pastor. This is my 30th year. I have to believe that some of you are in here are churchgoers, but you're not Christians. And I don't say that to be mean. I don't say that to be judgmental. I'm just saying you haven't figured out yet that it's not a ticket out of hell. It's an invitation into a relationship with Jesus Christ who loves us so much that he wants a better life for us than sleeping around and snorting around and drinking around and partying around and stealing around and lying around and just trying to collect More houses and bigger stuff. That there is a joy that comes from leaving it all on the beach and following Him into whatever it is He's asking of you. And I don't know what it is. This morning we talked about whatever it is that you might be carrying that's just holding you back. And I wonder this morning, how are you holding yourself back? How are you holding yourself back? What excuses are you making, like Moses, to not embrace and do the thing? Is it just the fear of being weird? Looking weird to your friends? God is saying it's time to get past that. You just feel like God doesn't care for you and you're saying, Lord, when will you show up? When will you touch my life? And it's like, why not tonight? Why not tonight? So here's the deal. We just want to pray for you. If you're in here and you're saying, yeah, I'm feeling some of this. I keep making excuses and it's just time for me to stop and give God my best yes. Stop pretending by going to church and start living as a Christian on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday. It's time for me to embrace a different life. It's time for me to let go of just collecting money And stop and say, Lord, how are you asking me to enter into the kingdom of God on this earth? Here's the deal. There's got to be a deal. Here's the deal. Can we pray for you? You know God is speaking to you right now. Even if I haven't mentioned what it is, can we pray for you? So here's the deal. Just get up out of your chair and come here.